Thank you so much, choir and orchestra. I appreciate the worship this morning that's prepared my heart, and I would pray it's prepared your heart to hear from God this morning. You know, that's why we're here, right? We're here not just to go through a ritual, not just a formality of going to church and checking the box, right? We can do that. That's what religiosity is. That's what being religious is, is doing things just for the sake of doing them and maybe get a point with God in some way God will love us and let us into heaven. (laughs) That's the law, isn't it? And uh, so we're here today because we love Jesus, because we want to learn more about God and through our Savior Jesus Christ. We want to know God, don't we? And we want to make Him known. We want to know God, but we want to make God known. And so I pray that you and I in our life and in our lifestyle is making Jesus known to others. And so today as we open Revelations chapter 8, find your place there, Revelation chapter 8. As we look into this great book of Revelation, a difficult book to read, a bit, uh, uh, to comprehend, and also to preach at times. And so... I want you to continue to pray for your pastor, pray for us, to give us, God to give us understanding, wisdom, that God would open up His Word to us. You see, the natural man doesn't understand the Word of God. The lost person, they can't really comprehend the Word of God because they don't have the Spirit of God living inside of them. And so when you're saved, the Spirit of God comes into your heart and life, and He begins to teach you and open up your understanding to the Word of God. And so that's why somebody with an 8th grade education like D.L. Moody could preach the Word of God and millions get saved. Amen? It's about the anointing of God on us. It's not about our intellect. It's about a relationship. And so I pray today that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and so do I. As you're finding your place there, and I want to welcome our contemporary service to our service now. They join us. Viva Big Screen over there in the Foundation Center. So, Alan and all the contemporary service, welcome. What I want to do right now is I want to call our church to prayer. And what I want to do is I'm burdened for our nation. As I've been watching all of this rhetoric and all of this hatred, and by the way, let's call it what it is it's hatred. People are literally hating one another because of their political stance or whatever it is. And we have a divided nation. We really do. I don't know how the Civil War actually started, but it was probably something like this. And so I just feel led as your pastor to call our church to prayer. We've got to pray for our nation. Regardless of what side of the aisle you're on politically, I pray that you're as a Christian that we're praying for all people. That we love all people, but we love the Lord. And God have mercy on us for the way that we're treating one another and the way that our political system and our government as a whole is uh, leading our nation. And so as I've been watching all of this unfold, as you have, I've been burdened for our nation. I really am. And I'm praying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I am. And so I want to lead you in prayer this morning as your shepherd, as your pastor. And if anybody would like to just kneel at the altar or where you are sitting or ever how you want to do that, maybe you just want to put your head on the pew there or whatever you want to do. But if you want to join us at this altar and pray and kneel, we'd like to do that. I want to lead us in prayer. It's very important. It's important that I pray and we pray. We're the Christians. We're the salt and light. And if we're not praying, if we're not seeking God, then how are people out there lost going to find Christ? And so I believe it's in the power of prayer. Amen? And so we got to pray. And by the way, prayer is not a work. Prayer is the work. This is what we're doing. We're praying. And God, help our nation. So I want to lead us in prayer. And I want you to join me as we bow before him. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we kneel, as we bow before you, we do so as we reverence you as God. Lord, you're not a God, you are the God. You're God Jehovah. You're the creator God. 
You're the one that made us. You created us in your image. You gave us your son, Jesus Christ, as you came to earth in the form of a man, took on flesh like us. And Lord, you became like us for the purpose of identifying with us so we could identify with you, a holy God. And so, Lord, as we study you, as we look in your word, as we pray and seek the Spirit of God that's in us, that we may know you, Lord, we do pray today that you would reveal yourself to us in many, many ways, Lord, through your Spirit, through the Word of God, through others, that, Lord, we would learn more about you and your will and your way for our lives individually and collectively and corporately as a church, as a people, as a nation. Father, we desperately need you. We need you in America. We need you in China. We need you in Japan, Iran, Iraq. We need God. Our nation, Lord, I have a burden for our nation this morning. We need God. I pray that you would call us back to you, Lord. Draw us back. Let us repent. Let us confess that you are God and we have drifted from you as a nation. And I pray for our leadership, Lord. I'm not just praying for Republicans and Democrats. I'm praying for Christians, that Christians would lead our nation. And, Father, we'd be burdened for one another. And, Lord, we would shine our light in a dark world. And, Father, we pray this morning, as this church of Lindsay Lane, we pray, God, that you would intercede in our hearts and in our nation. And, Lord, you would forgive us for where we failed you, where we, Lord, just defiled you. And, Lord, I just pray this morning for our leadership, our president, and all of our leadership, our Senate, our Congress, our House of Representatives, our people. Father, we need you. We need to return to you, Lord. We need the love of God in our nation. We need to love one another. And, Father, I pray, Lord, you'd break down these barriers that Satan is erecting, Lord, of hatred and malice and anger and animosity, all of these things that divide us. Lord, we need to be united in Christ. So, Father, you are the way. You are the truth and the life. And so, Lord, we invite you this morning to Come into this service, Father, and just let us hear from you and bless this service today, Lord, and bless us as a nation. Let us start right here at Lindsay Lane as a spark and let it just continue, Lord. There's many churches and many people are praying for our nation. And I just pray, God, that you would just let this spark, Lord, become a fire and let it become a flame and let it flame the hearts of people that they would know that God is a God that's alive and well. And we need His Son in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray today that we would be salt and light, that we would let people see Jesus in us, and that we would love each other, go out of our way, Lord, just to lay down, Lord, our, our, our rights, if you will, or having to be, be this and be that, but let us just love each other. Let us stand, Lord, for what's right. Let us stand for truth. But, Lord, in the meantime, let us have a heart of love and compassion. And, Lord, forgive us where we fail you. And we do pray, we do pray that you would bless America. And I pray today that America would bless you. We love you, Father. Hear our prayer, O Lord, would be our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a people of prayer. My staff and I recently attended a conference where they talked about prayer, they preached about prayer, and we were convicted of that in our staff about not being more of a praying staff and church for people. We need to pray. God answers prayer. And by the way, if you want to have an old-fashioned prayer meeting on Wednesday night, you mean to be here this coming Wednesday night. We're not going to have any music uh, not any children's going to be here. Not going to. It's a. It's a, uh, What is it? Fall break for a lot of people. So it's just going to be me and you. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to be right down here. And I'm going to teach the word of God. We're going to have a time of prayer before we start. So if you want to join us, 6:30 Wednesday night, we'll be here. So if you want to come to that, I know a lot of people are traveling this week. A lot of people who are Lindsay Lane Christian Academy, they're out this week, and so are the county schools out. And so it's fall break for them. All right, Revelation chapter 8. And by the way, let me say, on the, say this. If you weren't here last week, 
If you didn't hear the message last week in Revelations chapter 7, you need to get a copy of that. You need to get a copy of uh, a CD or, or go on an MP3 on our webpage. I'm just saying that because last Sunday I preached a theological message on eternal security about being sealed. And we are sealed by God. Read chapter 7. God sealed the, the, the Jews and God sealed the Gentiles and God seals us as His people until He comes back for us. And so I would encourage you to listen to that message last Sunday. And now today we're going to go to chapter 8. So last Sunday what we did, we talked about the six seals. We talked about, I mean, sorry, we talked about the seal of God. Chapter 6 was the six seals. And then chapter 7 was the seal of the living God. How he sealed 144,000 Jews. He raised them up from the 12 tribes of Israel. He sealed them. And they began to be evangelists. And they began to preach during the tribulation period. And I, t- I took us to Ephesians and 2 Corinthians, how God has sealed us as believers. God's put His seal of the Holy Spirit on me. He sealed me for the day of redemption. That means until He comes back, I've been sealed by God. And so we believe that. We teach that. It's a theological principle. It's an absolute truth from God's Word. And so we saw that. And then in chapter 8, we're looking today at the seventh seal, the, the Lamb of Judah is opening up the seventh seal. And when he does, it's inaugurating the seven trumpet judgments. And so in chapter 8, we're going to look today at the first four trumpet judgments of God. And then in chapter 9, has the last three trumpet judges. So we're going to go through chapter 8 today, and I want you to follow with me. All right? It's very important that we understand what God's doing in our midst. Now, here's the truth I've given you, because each one of these judgments, the seals, I'll just read it to you, from the seals to the trumpets to the bowls, the judgments increased in their intensity. Now, as we opened up the six seals in Revelation chapter 6, you'd think, oh my word, is all that going to happen on earth? It's going to get worse. And I don't know what's happening in our land today. It may be, it may be this, the, the, the surface is happening, but I'm seeing our nation just in a nation of array. A nation that's, that's hatred and things like that. And I don't know if it's a sign of the time or not. I don't know all of that. God does. But I'm seeing the love of many wax cold. Amen? We're seeing the love of many. Timothy says that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. And it is. So I don't know what's happening on the scene. God does. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I'll do to one comes, all right? And so we're here preaching. And so we're teaching the Word of God. And so we need to understand what is God doing? What's God up to? And so all we have is the Scripture. We have the Scripture. We have the Holy Spirit of God. There's a lot of prophets out there doing prophecy and all of that. And a lot of this is prophecy, but we have the Word of God to teach us. And so that's what I want to do today. So the message today is the seventh seal and the trumpet. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. Number 1 is the silence in heaven. He opened the seventh seal, the last one of the seals, and there was silence in heaven for a half an hour. Well, that's weird, isn't it? When you read that, that's kind of strange to read that. There was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. When he opened up, by the way, the last seal on the scroll, which was the seventh seal. And so, why? What, what's the silence about? Why is it silence in heaven? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. John doesn't tell us why there was silence. He just said there was silence for about a half an hour. Now, there's a lot of prophecy and a lot of commentary and speculation about that. But I, if you think about that, he just had seven, uh, six seals and all that destruction. And now the seventh one's open and maybe they saw what's coming. And so they just said, oh my God, more? And so they're silent for about a half an hour, just silent. Have you ever got a letter from somebody or a card that's bad news and you open the letter up and you begin to read and you can't even say anything? You're just awestruck. And that's what I believe happening here. I believe it's just awestruck. They're just in awe of these judgment that God's pouring out on planet Earth during this tribulation period. And so there's a, the silence there is due to there is just awestruck. And so uh, Zechariah 2.13 says this, Be silent, 
all flesh before the Lamb, before the Lord, for He is raised up out of His holy habitation. Maybe this is in awe of God, awe of the Lamb of God. As He opens the scroll of the seventh seal, just in awe of God. And then Habakkuk 2.20 says this, The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. Now that's speaking, I believe, of a holy reverence before God. And by the way, let me say this. It doesn't mean when you come to church, you've got to be quiet and not say anything. You can say amen. I'm telling you, you can. That's, that's from the Scripture. I was raised in a church like many of you. You sit there like this, and you listened. And if anybody said amen, Pentecostal, Pentecostal got in. <laughs> he snuck in here, man. Oh, look, Jim raised his hand. That's not being reverent. Oh, read the Scripture. Read the Scripture. David talked about raising the hand. He talks about amen and amen. And so as we're reverencing God by being here in His presence, we don't get caught up in all this stuff that we get caught up in. He's God, and I'm His child. I'm just going to worship Him. Amen? I'm not trying to impress you or somebody else, and you're not either. We're just worshiping God. And so we're to be silent. They were silent here. We're to give them a holy reverence. That's what they, I believe that's a sign. It's just a holy reverence. I tell you one thing for sure. This was the calm before the storm. This is the eye of the hurricane for 30 minutes. It's calm before the storm. It's about to hit again. We just got through the seals and now here comes the trumpets. And it's intensifying. It's getting worse. As we unpack chapter 8 and look at these judgments, uh, trumpet judgments. All right? Now, number two is the preparation for the judgment. So there's some preparation before he really gets into the uh, judgment. So let's look at verse number two. The preparation for the judgment. And I saw seven angels, and these are the messengers of God, who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So each angel... Each, each seventh, seven angel, each one of them has a trumpet that they're going to blow, and they're going to, uh, they're going to reveal the judgments of God with each one of those seven trumpets. So that's kind of what's happening here. Now, in Israel, the trumpet was very familiar to those Israelites, and it, the trumpet had several purposes, for instance, in numbers. And by the way, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So go back and look at your cross-references and look at this in the Old Testament. It comes alive. It makes Revelation come alive. Someone says, I just can't understand Revelation. Well, have you ever studied it? Have you ever tried to do cross-references? Not that you follow some Yahoo on TV or something like that in their prophecy, but have you ever done your own study? Have you ever went back to the Old Testament and tried to see what's going on in the New Testament? If you'll do that, it, 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 it will explain a lot of things in the New Testament. It's our history. And so in Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, write it down, it talks about these trumpets. One of the purposes of the trumpets were to call the people together. They blew the trumpet, and everybody came together. Moses brought all the people together. And so also it was a trumpet was used to announce war, the battle charge. You know, they blow the trumpet, we're going to war. By the way, you remember uh, Jericho? What happened? They blew the trumpet, and what happened? The walls came falling, tumbling down, right? And so the trumpet was used to to uh, engage in war, the battle charge. They also were used to announce events. They would blow the trumpet and it would announce an event or it would announce a king. You know, when the king is coming, they would blow a trumpet. And I read somewhere in the New Testament where there's going to be a trumpet blowed by one of the angels when Jesus comes back. Amen. The midnight cry. Y'all read about that? By the way, he, all this chaos, it's under control. I'm praying for America, and I'm burdened for America, but I know it's under control. God's got it all under control. And so uh, I believe that, but I, I am concerned about our nation. I hope that you are too. And so here, the angels, the trumpets are used to pronounce judgment. To pronounce judgment. And so the silence was followed by the preparation of this special angel. Not only are there seven angels, there's another angel. It talks about it there. And I want you to see that. Look in verse 3 and 4. Then another angel, beside the seven, the, another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. 
He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And smoke of the incense that was burning with the prayers of the saints, they all ascended before God for the angel from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer. Now I'll talk about this. He filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to earth. And there were noises and thunders and lightnings and earthquakes. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now what does all of this mean? You say, I don't understand. If you'd read the Old Testament, you'd know what an altar is, you'd know what a century is, and you know what incense was. All you got to do is read the Old Testament. It talks all about the incense. Talks about the golden altar, the altar in the behind the holy of holies there, where they had the had the uh, censer there and the fire from the altar that they put in the incense and and they put in the censer and burned the incense. All of this is in the Old Testament. You just got to read it and study it, and then it, this comes alive. Then what I just read makes has more meaning to you and I when we've read the background of it. Amen. And so the people who are Bible students they know that and they do that, and so that's what you have to do now. Notice this golden altar. The altar is mentioned several times in Revelation. We, we talked about it in chapter 4, remember? Under the altar. Remember we talked about that? And so what is he talking about here? Now, look in Revelations 9, 13. Revelations 9, 13. Watch this. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from, from the four horns of the golden altar, which was before the Lord. Now, the altar behind the veil in the Holy of Holies in the temples in the Old Testament had the horns of the altar. And so here it is in the New Testament. Now look in uh, Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 and look in verse 18. Here it is again. Watch this. Look in verse 18. 14, 18. 14, 18. And another angel came out from where? The altar who had the power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in the sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine for the earth. Again, from the altar. He's, taking a, he's talking about the golden altar here. And then another place is Revelation 16. If you want to look at that, Revelation 16 and verse number 7. I'm just showing you how you can look and see other places where this is mentioned. In verse number 16, 7. And I heard another... Uh, another from the altar, I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So there's the altar there. I want you to see that. Now, what's the significance? Well, in the Old Testament, they had an altar uh, as the priest, the high priest only, the high priest only would go in to the Holy of Holies behind the veil, but there was an altar there. And on this altar, I wish I had some pictures I could have showed you. It might have made sense. There on the altar there, there, there's a fire in the altar, okay? There's a fire there, and then there's a censer, which is a container, a container that, ha- that houses the coals from the fire. And the priest would put the coals of the, of the fire in the censer, and then he would kind of wave it like this, and the smoke or the incense would burn which was a pleasant-smelling incense. It's kind of like a perfume-type incense. It put in there as well. And this incense, the smoke would come up, and that was symbolic of the prayers to God. So the incense is symbolism of prayer raised up to God. And he talks about the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints, this incense from the golden altar is joining, if you will, the prayers of the saints. Those who've been martyred and those who have prayed. All of this is coming up to God. And so in the Old Testament, what the priest would do is wave that, wave that censer, and then that incense would go up, and it was like sweet-smelling aroma, if you will, to the Lord as prayer for the people. Like sin offering was another offering. And so that's what he's talking about here. And again, if you read Exodus chapter 30, verse 1 through 10, the high priest Aaron. Remember Aaron? Aaron was a high priest. He was the one that had the censer and offered the incense up to God for the people. And also Zechariah. Remember Zechariah? We read about Zechariah was a high priest as well. And he also did this. He also went to the altar and to the Holy of Holies. And so we see this in the Old Testament. And so this incense is burning, which is, a, which is smoke, but it's a perfume-like, that, that sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Okay? Now, 
Psalms 1, listen to this, Psalms 142, verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense. So there it is in the Old Testament, I mean in the Old Testament, in Psalms. Let my prayers be to you, God, as incense. So the, again, the incense is a symbol of prayer. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a Catholic funeral. I've been to one. <laughs> I went to a Catholic funeral. You know what happened? They bring the coffin in. And the priest, this priest was in front of the altar, in front of the coffin, and he had a censer with incense burning in it. And he was doing this in front of that coffin. And smoke was coming out of that censer. He just walked before the, the coffin doing this with that censer. And smoke. I said, I wonder, what is that? And then I read it in the Bible. I said, that's what it is. I kind of knew what it was, but then I studied and found out what he's doing is offering up prayers for this person in this coffin for all the people there at the funeral. Basically what he was doing. And so what he's saying here is, all the saints have been martyred in the, in the tribulation period, and all of that, and even in the Old Testament, we're offering up these prayers unto God. And so the symbolism is they have the censer with the incense, and the fire is burning in that little container called the censer. And so when you th think about that, it's very interesting. It's talking about prayer in your outline, I put this in your outline, I thought it was interesting. Watch this. Someone has said that the purpose of prayer... It's not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. Even if that will involves judgment. Amen? I thought that was an interesting quote. You know, we all think, well, God, your will be done in heaven. We pray that, yes. But what about God's will done on earth? What do you want God to do here and you and me and planet earth? Even his judgment, God be... Your will be done, even if it's judgment. And, and we need to pray that and, and trust God. All right? Now, now what's happening? He took this censer. It's symbolic here in Revelation, right? He's using, the, he's using the analogy and the symbolism from the Old Testament. And he said, man, what he did, what that angel did, is got that censer of the coals of fire, and he threw it down to earth. He threw it down to earth, and all of a sudden there was thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. And so that's what's happening in the preparation for these judgment, these trumpet judgments. We see this preparation and what's happening there. Ezekiel, by the way, Ezekiel gives a parallel of this center. Here again, you can read this. You know, write it down. Ezekiel chapter ten. If you read Ezekiel chapter ten, it's a very parallel of this center of the, of the of the high priest and the fire of God's judgment, like He did on Israel. By the way, by the way, I'll give you this scripture. Listen, Ezekiel ten two. Ezekiel ten two says this. This is the vision. Now, this, Ezekiel was a prophet, and he prophesied. This is his vision. Then he, God, spoke to the man clothed with linen and said, "Go in among the wheels under the cherub." And fill your hands with a coal of fire from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city. Those fires of coal. Again, it's symbolism. It's symbolic of God's judgment. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6. Remember what happened in Isaiah chapter 6? One of the angels took one of the hot coals and touched it to his lips. Remember that? And the prophet Isaiah said the, the angel touched his lips with a hot coal from the censer, from the fire rather, and from the censer and said he was pure, purity of the sin he had. All right, and so that's so important that we understand that. Now, in, in Revelation chapter 5, he gives a description of what's going to happen when he casts that censer full of the fire, the judgment of the noises and the thunders and lightnings and the earthquakes. Now, I want you to look in Revelation 4, 5, and watch this. I want you to see this in the Scripture again. We've talked about it. I want you to see it in Revelation 4, and look in verse, chapter 4, verse 5. And from the throne, here it is, from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now look in Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. Revelation 11, 19. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple... And there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. All of these things. Now look in Revelation 16. Revelation 16, verse 18. <coughs> Revelation 16, 18. 
Now, a lot of this stuff we're going to talk about in the next several weeks is a lot of it's uh, a lot of it's kind of a it, it's talking again about all of these things that's going to happen. Uh, but I want you to watch Revelation sixteen eighteen. Look what it says, Revelation sixteen eighteen. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as not occurred since men were on the earth. So what's the point here? The point is, I want you to see what's happening. All through Revelation, we see these judgments are happening, of this thundering and lightning and storms and hail, hail mixed with blood and fire. All of this is judgment of God. We're going to talk about this now in the four trumpet judgment. And so that leads us into number three, which is the devastation of the trumpets. We saw the preparation of the judgment. And now I want you to see thirdly, I want you to see the devastation that's coming through these trumpet judgments. In verse number seven, we'll take these one at a time. And by the way, I told you this, in chapter eight, we're going to see the first four judgments. And then in chapter nine, we'll see the last three. All right. Verse number seven. Let's look at these one at a time. Now. Something that will help you. Again, if we're going to understand this as best we can, right? We need to understand what we need to do. If you'll think about the twelve, pla- or the ten plagues on Egypt, they're a direct parallel to what I'm going to show you in these trumpet judgments. They're a direct parallel to them. God judged the Egyptians, his people, to let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Pharaoh defied God. Pharaoh is an antitype of the Antichrist that's coming. Pharaoh hardened his heart against God and said, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what you do. And God said, all right, big boy, I'll just show you some stuff. And God put out ten plagues on Egypt. Antichrist is saying, hey, I want to be God. I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be above you. I'm going to defy you. And God says, all right. I'm going to give you earth. I've let you reign on earth for a long time. And I'm telling you, I'm fixing to deal with you, big boy. And God's going to deal with a beast. God's going to deal with a dragon. God's going to deal with Satan. And God's going to deal with the Antichrist. And this is part of it. But I want you to know something. If you'll study those ten plagues of Egypt, there are parallels of these judgments that are coming from the trumpet judgment. And I'll, I'll help you with it as we go through this. I want you to watch this. Number one. Watch this. As we look at it, the four trumpet judgments going to affect the earth. All these four judgments we're going to talk about in chapter 8 is going to affect planet earth. But I'm telling you, chapter 9, I'm just going to say it because this is what's going to happen. All hell is going to break loose. In chapter 9, this is next week, all hell is going to break loose. There's going to come stuff out of the pit in heaven, all of this stuff. Next, The last three. Just giving you some pre- preview of coming attractions, all right? All right, now, let's look at the first one. The first trumpet, the land was struck. The land was struck. Now watch verse number 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and there were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. And so we see this first trumpet judgment that hail and fire was mixed with blood. Now this is like the seventh plague. On the nation of Egypt, when Israelites, when God was judging the Egyptians and Pharaoh. It's the same thing. The reference here is Exodus chapter 9. If you'll read Exodus chapter 9, and you'll find out it's kind of the same thing he said here in verse number 7. Hail and mixed with blood, and all of that happened. By the way, when the hail came, by the way, it killed some people, but it also killed the livestock. It killed the livestock, it, it broke tree limbs and trees, it ruined trees. There, can you imagine your garden after that? Their vegetation, the grass. I just cut my grass. Look at it. It's ruined. Trees are ruined. My, cat, my cows are over there dead from all this hail and fire and brimstone and blood mixed with it. So this is what's happening. Same thing that happened to the Egyptians. In, the, in that seventh plague. And you can read that in Exodus chapter 9. The prophet Joel reminds us of the blood and fire. You can read Joel chapter 2 verse 30. Talks about this same thing. And you say, how can this be? Well, this is supernatural. I, can, I don't understand how all that happens. How the blood is mixed with the fire. And all of that happens. Just like the twelve or ten plagues of Egypt. It's supernatural. God's a supernatural God. 
And by the way, I don't have to understand it all. Amen? I just got to believe it. And I do believe it. And so the trumpets and all the third of everything there, the green grass, the vegetation, the trees, all burn up. Can you, can you imagine this balance of nature as we go through the rest of these? The balance of nature is going to be affected when the third of the trees and the vegetation are burned up. Now let's go to the second one. The second trumpet is the sea is struck. Now watch this, number, verse 8 and 9. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. Kind of like a meteorite. It's the best description I can come with. It says it's like a great mountain burning. Be like a great meteor coming from heaven, thrown down to earth in the sea. Look at this. It was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. Can you imagine being here? And by the way, if you're lost, you are. I'm just telling you. I don't know how long it's going to be. I know it's seven-year tribulation, but if you're lost, you're going to be seeing this stuff. That's why you better get saved. Amen? I'm just telling you. If you well, I don't, don't believe it. Well, that's your prerogative not to believe it. You can be wrong if you want to. But I'm just telling you, either this Bible's true or it's not. Amen? It's in a fairy tale. That's why I'm preaching with all my heart. Trying to help you. Stay out of hell. I really am. I'm just being honest with you. I'm trying to help you here. I want you to see some of this. And so what happened? Look at verse 8. Fire was thrown in the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died. A third of them, and a third of the ships were destroyed. A three-pronged judgment here in verse 8 and 9 struck the sea. <coughs> and here again is the plague on Egypt. Do you remember the plague on Egypt when the water turned to blood? I mean, I watched Charlton Heston do this. I'm just telling you. It happened. <laughs> Ten Commandments. He took the, Pharaoh had that old, some of them had that pot and poured water, and all of a sudden the water turned to blood. The Nile turned to blood. You say, well, that was just an old movie, Charlton Heston, Yul Brenner. Mm-mm. Where'd they get that from? Right here. They got it from the Bible. And so it's true. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine this attack on all of our water system? A third of it turning to blood, the pollution. Can you imagine? And by the way, I did read Exodus chapter 17, or Exodus chapter 7, rather. Exodus chapter 7, it talked about Pharaoh and all the people couldn't stand it for the stench of the fish that were dead. You ever been to the river and a few fish on the side? You go, oh my goodness. Hope you don't go to a restaurant like that, amen. But you go to a, on the river, fish are dead. I mean, a few little fish. Can you imagine a third of the waters with the fish dead? The stench, the pollution. And we'll show you in a moment how the fresh water is affected. And I'm just, if you'll read the Exodus chapter 7, it'll help you. I'm going to have you turn there in a moment. And so this object from heaven came, and this is what happened. A third of the marine life died, a third of the sea, and then a third ships. This was an unprecedented disaster of biblical proportion. It really was. And if you think about this, you think about, did you know a third of this earth is occupied by water? Three-fourths, I mean. Three-fourths of our planet is water. Do you know that? And so a third of it's going to be blood and stench and all of that kind of stuff is going to happen. Now... The pollution. Can you imagine a, a third of the marine life? I mean, Nemo's bellied up. I hate to say that. Rest in peace, Nemo. Flipper. Orga. <laughs> I mean, a third of the marine life is killed. Now think about this. Also, a third of the ships. A third of the ships. You think about the thousands of ocean-going vessels that are out on the sea, and a third of them are destroyed. Just like that. A third of them. And so uh, think about the cargo they have. And by the way, just think about if you're lost, and you're still here, and you're on a cruise. A third of the ships. What is happening to this ship on our cruise? 
It's just food for thought. Amen? Number three. The third trumpet, the fresh waters were struck. Watch this. Verse 10 and 11. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. Just like the, the one that looked like a mountain, I think like a meter, meteorite came down. This was a star that fell from the heaven like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Not only are a third of the ocean water destroyed, now we're looking at a third of the streams being destroyed in the fresh water system. A third of it's being destroyed, polluted, if you will. Now look in verse number 11. The name of the star is Wormwood, which means some of your translations would say bitter. That's what warm, warm wood, it's hard to say that, isn't it, real quick. Wormwood is bitter. It's what it was, just bitterness. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many died from the water because it was made bitter. And so this judgment is like a star, the wormwood star, the bitter star, just goes into the fresh water system and it becomes polluted and bitter, even poisonous. Can you imagine that? And so the streams and the well. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 7. Here's one of those plagues. I thought I'd let you see one of them. I don't have a lot of time to turn everywhere. That's why I give them to you and I hope you're taking notes and writing them down so you can do your own study. But in Exodus chapter 7, look in verse 19. Now this is the plague... Uh, on, on, on Egypt by God through Moses. Now watch what happens in verse 19, Exodus chapter 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said to Aaron, the high priest, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds. You got a pond? Over their ponds. And look at this. And over all their pools. Your swimming pool. Your swimming pool, your sauna, hot tub, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the buckets of water and the pitchers of water. Can you imagine that? Look at this judgment. I mean, the rivers, I mean, I love the Tennessee River and uh, Smith Lake, how beautiful Smith Lake is. It's going to become blood. The river's going to be blood. You say, oh, well, I, 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 it won't be too bad not being saved. I got a lot of friends that's lost, and we'll just go down to hell and have a good old party. It won't be all that bad. You better think again. You better think again. You're not using logic. You're using man's logic. But you're not using spiritual logic. And by the way, just to be very honest with you, I thought like that for a while before I met Jesus. I had so many, all my friends were lost. I'm like, ah, it won't be all, I'll be with them. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You'll be with them, but you. Mm. Oh, perish the thought. Just think about all these water systems, this star warm wood. And I got a lot of scripture. I don't have time to get to it, but I want you to see it. Because when I tell you something, I'm preaching this, I want you to understand it. I want you to see it. So you can really say, hey, that's the truth. It's just not a sermon. Now, If you'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, I want you to turn there. You can find one of the major prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of these. Jeremiah, and then Lamentations. The prophet Jeremiah, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. If you can't find it, write it down. And here here this is, he talks a little bit more about this warm wood. Now look in verse 15, Jeremiah chapter 9. Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, this people, with warm wood, and give them the water of gall to drink. Bitter water. Poisonous water even, when it's polluted that way. So that's warm wood. Also look in Jeremiah 23. Now turn over to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Write it down if you can't find it. And look in verse 15. Here it is again. Watch this, Jeremiah 23, 15. Behold, I will feed them with warm wood, pollution, and make them drink the water of gall. And that's bitter water, polluted water, if you will. I just wanted you to see that. It's also in Lamentation. Listen to Lamentations 3, 15. He, was, he has filled me with bitterness 
He has made me drink wormwood. That's just water of bitterness. It means, the, Greek, the Hebrew word means undrinkable. It's undrinkable. It's bitter water. Amos spoke about that. Those who turn justice into wormwood. Amos 5, 7. Moses said in Deuteronomy 29, 18. And it, talking about the idolatry of the people. It's like a root producing wormwood. And Solomon mentioned it also about immorality. Proverbs 5, 4 says, But in the end, immorality, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. So really, the point here is, he's polluting the water with this wormwood or bitterness. All the water, the fresh water, the ponds, the swimming pools, the drinking waters, all of these are turned bitter and polluted. That's the point of this whole thing. Now, let's look at number four. The fourth trumpet is heavens are struck. Verse 12 and 13. Here it is. I'm closing with these two. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel. Some translations say an eagle. Probably the the eagle in chapter 4 of Revelation, one of the four living creatures. One of them was an eagle. And so the eagle is flying around, or the angel Look what he's saying. In the midst of heaven, it said with a loud voice, Whoa! 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 Some translations say, Terrible! 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 Three woes. Look what it says. To the inhabitants of the earth. These are people left on the earth. Because of the remaining blast of the trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound. Let me give you the vernacular. You think these four trumpets are bad. You wait till the next three. That's what the angel said. You think it's bad in chapter 8. You wait to chapter 9. Three woes. Three, three more trumpets. And three woes. He's predicting here. And so the fourth woe is heaven struck. We've talked about this. It's all through Revelation. About the moon going to turn to blood and darken the sun. Can you imagine a third of the sun not shining? Can you imagine the, the system, the, the, the polar system and all of this, the solar system and everything? Earth, third of the sun, going to lose its energy? How's that going to affect everything else? And the moon, the stars, all of those things. Look in Luke chapter 21. It's the last, last verse, last text. Luke chapter 21. I want you to see this. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Look what Jesus prophesied. Luke chapter 21. And look with me in verse number 25. Luke 21, verse 25. Red letter, Jesus speaking. Look what he says. And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's heart begin to fail them for fear and the expectation of those things were, which are coming on earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Heaven's going to be shaken. And all the earth, during the tribulation period, when God pours out the judgments of the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, it's going to shake heaven even. But it's going to shake planet earth with destruction The three woes are coming in chapter 9. And then there's still the seven bowls. That's even worse. It's not a pretty picture. And so tell your friends. Tell your relatives, your classmates, your co-workers. Are you prepared for what's coming? And they'll say, what's that? We getting a raise? I'm not talking about that. We getting out of school? Is a break coming? Mm-mm, not talking about that. What is it? We're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner? What are we going to have? No, no, not talking about that. Are you prepared for what's coming? What do you mean? Tribulation. Are you prepared for tribulation? It's coming. Could be tonight. Could be tomorrow. It's coming. And they say, well, what do you mean? Then you get to tell them what Pastor does is preaching. And not just inviting them to church to hear me, but tell them what I'm telling you. So you can keep them from going to hell. Amen? This is where we are. This is the truth. 
so they won't be here for what I'm teaching you and telling you from God's Word is going to happen on planet Earth. And again, the church is going to be raptured. I believe that with all my heart. And that's, my, that's the way I study Scripture. I'm a pre-trib. I believe the church will be raptured. There is no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus. If I'm going through the tribulation experience all this, to me, that's condemnation. That's some condemnation going on. I know I'm saved from that, but I'm telling you, I just believe with all my heart. And I read several scriptures, and I'll try to explain it to you, but we'll be enraptured out right before the tribulation. And I'm seeing some stuff going on today that's signs of something. Just a sign of a mess we're in. Amen? And I know a lot of people say, well, something's happening. Is this prophecy? What's happening? I don't know about all that. I'm not going to get into that and speculate. A lot of prophecy is speculation. That's why I give you these scriptures so you can look them up and so you can do your own study. And you say, and you decide what you think because you're the one going to stand before God and give an account. And so am I. And so as we, as we get ready for chapter 9 next Sunday, chapter 8 is not a pretty picture. These trumpet judgments. And again, not trying to bring fear to you and all that, just reality. Just biblical reality. And I want you to think about what I'm talking about. That's why I'm being very bold, very crusty, whatever you want to call it, dusty crusty. I'm just putting it out there. And you're going to have to deal with it. i got to deal with it. If you're here in this service today, it ought to scare you if you're lost. I'm just telling you. I'd be shaking in my boots if I was a lost person, knowing that God could come back any time, and I'd be left behind. So I'm just going to give an invitation and ask you, if you're not saved, if you don't think you're saved, you need to come up here and make sure. Why don't we need to come up front for Nothing magical about coming up front. We're just going to help you. We're just going to help you learn how to be saved, what it means, and all of that. And so if you want to join the church, we'd like to invite you to come as well. If you want to come and pray, you can do that as well. Father, bless this invitation. God, I give it to you. It's a heavy burden. Knowing what I've just preached. That some people are going to reject you. Like Pharaoh did. And we found him and all his people that followed him in the sea. The Red Sea. Perished. I'm just praying that people will be honest and they will come to Jesus. Before it's everlasting too late. Speak to hearts. Only you can do that and draw people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? If you need to come, make your way. We're waiting for you. We want to help you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to sit here and talk to you about something. We're just going to say, hey, we've got counsel. We've got people here to help you to understand. And I'm inviting you with all of my heart to come. As we sing, come. Giving you my heart all that is. Come on, right now. God speaks to your heart. You come.